Sin number three, I'm the expert and I know what my customers need. Or as another contractor, a rather cut and dry fella put it, even if my customers had a mind, they couldn't make it up. In this entire world of business, there is only one way to make money. And that is to find out what people want and sell it to them. Period. End of story. But so many contractors fall into the trap of completely bypassing what the customers want and head directly into what the contractors think they need. Look, your knowledge of your trade is critical and you may be offering the best option based on your informed opinion. But if you're not offering something your client really wants, they will not hire you. Or worse, if they do hire you, they will not like you very much. And once the job is completed, they will tell all their friends about you and it won't be pretty. Because building a deck, for example, is really not about the deck. It is about making your customers feel comfortable about investing in the project and more importantly, investing in the project with you. It is about building enough rapport with them right from the start so that what you produce at the end of the job reflects both your best craftsmanship and their best dreams and aspirations. It is what fortunes are built on. And if you're not doing this, you're sinning big time. The key to this is becoming a master at overcoming client tension. A lot of contractors find themselves in adversarial positions with their clients. The contractor is frustrated because the client does not seem to respect their expertise. The client is frustrated because the contractor does not seem to get what they really want. So there are unmet expectations, annoyances on both sides, and even at times overt conflict. The solution is to improve your communication skills. If you want to test how effective your communication skill is, look at the responses you're getting. If the responses you are getting are not the responses you want, your communication skills are lacking. You can have all the technical expertise in the world, but at the end of the day, if you cannot communicate in a way that helps your clients understand the process and operate successfully within it, then you will have a hard time growing your business. Think of it this way, the fundamental job of an effective communicator is to gain commitment. Whenever you are communicating in life, whether it's with customers, your employees, suppliers, family members, friends, you name it, you know, the list goes on, what you're really trying to do is to gain voluntary commitment and support on behalf of the other person. No one likes to feel forced or compelled into doing things they don't want to do. You know, anybody that has an overbearing mother-in-law can really understand this well. So why would you take that approach with your clients? When you overcome an adversarial relationship with your clients and work together with them instead, not only will your projects run more smoothly, you'll also make a lot more money in the process. Because the question you have to ask yourself is this, do you wanna be right or do you wanna be rich? As a business owner, one of the most important things you can learn about is the way people make decisions. This is at the heart of effective communication. When you can help people through the decision-making process in a way that seems natural to them, you will gain the commitment that you're seeking. This is helpful with prospects and clients as well as with employees. Different people have different decision-making speeds and styles. What might be obvious to you then is not always so obvious to your client, and often clients have to think things through differently than you would. This can be very frustrating for most contractors you know, who are pretty action-oriented people. You know, there's different types of behavior styles. Um, there's a personality profiling process called DISC, D-I-S-C. You know, it divides the world into four types of people. The high Ds are the action-oriented, fast decision makers. The high I's are the ones who want things easy and want things, you know, fun. They don't want to have, 
you know, serious conversations. Then there are the S's. These are the sympathetic people who want the win-win in everything. You know, they want to do well, but they also want you to do well. But they'll make decisions very slow, and there'll be emotions involved in the decisions. Then, you know, there's the C's. Uh, these are, you know, typically the lawyers and the accountants who are highly meticulous and need every single detail. And if you don't understand the person that you're talking to, what their behavior style is, and do not communicate to them in their behavior style, you're going to have a very frustrating conversation on your hands. You know, this is just one example of uh, what type of behavior styles are out there, but the, the point I'm making here is this, that it is important to understand what type of person you're talking to and their behavior style, and then relate to them and communicate to them in their style, not your style. Because when you do not support prospects and clients in their decision-making process, you take someone who could have been an A-quality client, that, that's uh, singing your praises and returning for future work, and then sending you lots of referrals, and then you turn them into a D-quality customer. Somebody who's upset with you, frustrated with you, and then tells everybody that they know not to work with you. You know, sure, in your process, you may have been right, but what did you win? So you really have to ask yourself this, do you want to win by being right or do you want to win by being rich? And it's really up to you. Now, of course, I'm not suggesting that you should open yourself up to abuse uh, from unreasonable and demanding customers. You deserve dignity and peace of mind and some clients just do not know where to draw the line. It's always within your right to fire a customer who's taking up an inappropriate amount of your time, energy and attention, and especially for what they're paying you. We've implemented this in our business and it's the best thing we could have ever done. But there is a good rule of thumb though. If you are a skilled communicator, you will run into these sorts of people less than 10% of the time. So if you're finding yourself struggling with more than 10% of your customer base, then the problem is not them, it is you. The key here, and this is something I mentioned briefly earlier, is to learn how to build rapport. Because after all, people like to do business with people they like and trust. At the end of the day, service is the name of the game. Service is what builds your business because the number one thing that creates profitability to business is repeat clients and referrals. And that does not happen unless your clients are thrilled with you. That makes learning how to connect with the needs of your customers and being skilled at building rapport extremely important. The truth is that most upsets can be traced back to a fault in the initial communication. So focus on building rapport with your clients from the get-go. After all, rapport is fundamentally about trust, and trust is at the heart of great communication. So here is a four-step formula for being an excellent communicator. Step number one is go into their world. Now what does that mean? If someone is looking for a contractor to build a deck, most contractors will come in and focus on the deck. They'll try to understand their needs and try to talk about the deck. So how big is it? What type of wood they need? What color do they want it? When do they want to start it? How much do they want to spend on it? Etc. 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 Now that is a big mistake. The deck does not have money or a voice. The focus needs to be on the person hiring you to build the deck because they are the ones who will make the decision. So go into their world first. Ask questions that help you get more information about them and not the deck. For example, the first question you need to ask them is, why do they want to build a deck in the first place? So maybe something like, how many people do they see using the deck? What do you plan to do on the deck? What kind of experiences are you trying to create when you use the deck? So you don't need to go into solution mode just right in the beginning. 
They are not just hiring you to bang nails into wood. They are hiring you to give them what they want. And you cannot do that until you fully understand why they want a deck or an addition or a kitchen remodel or whatever it is they are talking to you about. Step number two is to be interested. Most contractors want to impress their prospects with their knowledge, so they come in with an approach like, hey, look at what I can do, you know, or worse, they start to talk in terms of, I'm the expert and I'll tell you what you need. Now, this is about trying to be interesting, but just the opposite approach is much more effective, which is to be interested. After you've asked them what they want, listen to what they have to say. Also, take some time to get to know them beyond the project you're discussing. You know, find out what their hobbies are, their passions, learn a little bit about their families and their personalities because it will help them trust you and feel good about hiring you. Step number three is about building a shared reality. Now, a shared reality is built on something you have in common and if you do the previous step right, you'll start to understand what the commonalities are as a person between you and them. So, point out the things you have in common. I mean, do you both have kids? Did you grow up in the same town? Did you have uh, you know, similar hobbies or interests? A client that's getting several bids for a job is more likely to remember somebody favorably if you can connect with them on a personal level. I mean, think about this. Why is so much business done on a golf course? Because playing golf with somebody automatically creates a lot of shared reality. Step number four, verify that you understand them accurately. What they say and what you hear are often not the same because we all think differently. So repeat back to them what you heard and say, did I hear that right? If you did not, ask for clarification until you understand. Building rapport is about establishing a level of comfort between two people. Now after all, people do business with people they like and trust, like I said in the beginning. And this is especially true in the high-end six or seven figure deals. Remember, when they're looking to hire you for a job, they're not buying a deck or a home addition or a kitchen remodel. They're buying you. The next is to know your ideal customer. This is a principle that should help you solve many of your customer relationship problems that you experience. A lot of frustration you experience with customers occurs because you're dealing with the wrong customer. Many contractors assume that their ideal customer is anybody who shows up on their door with money, but that's not true. You have an ideal niche or market segment that you work best with. Whenever you work with clients who fall outside of your ideal range, you're just asking for problems. A friend of mine makes an analogy with fuel grades. If you're running a car that is a high-end luxury car and you're filling it with low-value, price-shopped, low-grade gas, should you really be surprised when there's trouble up ahead? On the other hand, if you put super-ultra-premium gas in a 1979 Ford Pinto with a serious case of body cancer, do you think it's going to make any difference? You know, of course not. You know, so as an example, um, so let's say you are a remodeling contractor that does kitchen, bath remodels, and also does, you know, additions. And you have a client who also wants you to do landscaping. Now, can you figure it out? Well, sure. But is this your core business? Well, of course not. You're not stocking the right inventory. You're not buying goods at the right price. You do not have the skilled labor on hand to get the job done. So you'll end up creating more hassle and headaches for yourself than you anticipated. Then, when it's all said and done, you'll probably end up with a dissatisfied customer anyway, even though you were just trying to be nice and pick up the extra nickel in the process. You know, there's a wisdom in knowing what you're selling and to whom you're selling it to. Because the principle in business is that riches are made in the niches. One of the most dangerous terms in the industry is general contractor. The truth is, the real riches are in the niches, not in generalities. 
These days you will make more money faster when you know who you are, who your target prospect is, and how to communicate with them and serve them better than anyone else around. You know, maybe you already have an existing niche but have not done a good job of articulating it. Or perhaps you know you need a niche but are not sure where to start. Either way, here are three different approaches to identifying a viable market niche for you. Number one, where have you had the most success before? Go through your customer list and identify your top 10% customers. These are the customers who are loyal, easy to work with, they pay on time, and send you lots of referrals. If you're like many contractors, you will see a pattern emerge very quickly. You will discover that they have very similar areas, such as the type of uh, job you did for them, the type of neighborhood they live in, their socioeconomic status, and so on. Create a customer profile based on what you discover, then begin targeting that niche specifically. Number two is where is the opportunity? Niching means narrowing your focus, but you have to be careful. If you choose a niche that's too narrow, you'll soon not have a business, you'll have a hobby. So look around the marketplace and ask, where is there a real opportunity? Who wants what I have to offer? What segment of the market is actually growing very rapidly right now? And step number three, where do I have the most fun? Finally, think about the type of work you love the most. What gets you excited and energized on a job? Focus on attracting more of that work specifically. When you are passionate about what you do, you will have more energy and enthusiasm, and almost nothing will help you grow your business faster. So let's talk about a success story that used this process, you know, Howard. Howard is a general contractor in California, and he's been in business for over 30 years, and he's very good at what he does. However, you know, back in 2008 when the economy crashed, he found his business shrinking fast as a result. So he came to us for coaching and we taught him the basic principles of building rapport with his clients. And then he made it a point when he talked to prospects to not uh, push his expertise and his years of service, but instead focused on building rapport and then demonstrate that he was interested in what they had to say. Started to build shared reality with them, confirmed that he truly understood what they, their motivations were to do the project and for spending money, um, you know, uh, sometimes a significant amount of money on the project. So as a result, he routinely started working with high-end clients and booking six-figure and sometimes seven-figure deals. And over the course of a year that he worked with us, he almost doubled the size of his business. And remember, this is back when the recession was really strong and when contractors were really not supposed to do that much. And uh, compared to the previous year, he had really struggled, and this year his business actually started to grow very quickly. So the point is that this is one of the principles that can really help uh, your sales grow quickly and allow you to build a business that can do well regardless of what the economy is doing.